This is Security Download, your ultimate source for the latest developments in private security. Host Honor Redmond will bring you the inside scoop, groundbreaking trends, and exclusive interviews with leading experts in both residential and business security. Security Download is powered by Brav, delivering tech-forward, customer-service-focused private security. Welcome to Security Download. I am super, super excited for our guest today. We're going to have um, a little bit of a different conversation than we usually do. He has experience that really addresses two key pieces of what we like to talk and learn about. Um, so he is a public speaker, a driver of transformation, a revenue generator with 15 years of 15 plus years of progressive product <laughs> management leadership experience. Um, the host of podcast Startup Lantern, so a fellow podcast host, the head of product in security, threat intelligence, and analytics at Infoblocks. Welcome, Drew McFarlane. Thank you very much, Anna. It's, it's great to be here. <laughs> it's awesome to have you. So diving right in and getting our hands dirty, tell us... Um, <laughs> In terms of what companies do wrong when they think about cybersecurity and physical security and their intersection, tell us some mistakes that you've seen. Well, the the biggest mistake that I could say is that there really isn't a really good intersection between the two. Uh, they're often very different disciplines, and the people who are responsible for physical security have a tendency of not even knowing the names of the people who are doing cybersecurity. Uh, and that's a really huge mistake because... Ultimately, when you think about cybersecurity, it's always a factor of, uh, of inherent trust. You're like, it's what do you trust that you shouldn't be trusting? Uh, and that's where you end up getting compromised. So you, know, you think about, you, know, you have the best firewalls, you have the best uh, network security out there, you're, you know, you're running you have a, lot of, uh, a lot of good campaigns from a standpoint of keeping your, your email safe, but then you're not guarding the front door of, the, of your office and somebody can just walk in off the street and plug something into a conference room and then walk back out again. That's actually a really classic uh, method that that um, pen testers actually end up using is is trying to figure out you know how how physically secure is the is the building because often you'll you'll see these organizations and they'll have great um, as I said you know great cybersecurity but once you're in the actual mm -hmm. network. You have free reign over everything, so all that they have to do. And, is but, and by the way, I, I just have to cut, jump in here. Yeah, sure. um, scare us! Like, what's the worst <laughs> that can happen? What can I do today? I walk in off the street. Um, oh boy! Well, it's it's uh, yeah. <laughs> um, actually, one of the one of the you know, interesting, more common uh, attacks, and there, there's a guy named Kevin Mitnick mm -hmm. uh, who was very famous a, a while back. And one of the things that he used to do, and this is this has survived for. 20 years now, uh, he used to, uh, back in the day, leave floppy disks in the parking lots of the buildings with salary.xls <laughs> written on there. And it's just so tempting. You're like, oh, I want to see what that is. And then they plug that in. And of course, it's 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 uh, infected with something. Um, you know, today that it's no longer floppy disks. You know, today it's, uh, you know, they're like little USB keys. And who doesn't want a free USB key? So, you know, they, they'll, you know, pull that in. And in today's day and age, you know, like again, it's it's what do you trust that that you really shouldn't be trusting? Mm -hmm. If you plug this thing in, it looks like a USB key, and it may not even have a virus on it. Mm -hmm. That USB key could actually be a full computer. Wow! You know, they have wow. these things where you plug it in, 
and it will immediately take control of your um, of your PC, and it'll act like a keyboard. It'll just send start sending commands uh, because that that thing you once you plug it into your uh, into your laptop, it's it's acting like a keyboard and it's thinking that it's you. So have you heard you stories should... of this actually happening? Oh, absolutely. And as a matter of fact, uh, uh, you know something that you're starting to see more commonly now is uh, in the sort of on that same line is uh, they've got these these cables that look like charging cables for your cell phone mm -hmm. uh but you plug these things into your cell phone and it will compromise your cell phone <gasps> so you have to be very careful of oh. like if, if your cell phone's getting ready to run out of charge whatever you have to be careful that you know and trust that cable that you're plugging it into because it can be that that simple and uh and there's a there's a company that you know it actually often operates for like nation states, mm -hmm. uh, but this is this is like commercial off-the-shelf uh, hardware. You could go out there and buy this with the right credentials because the company, although technically you know tries to you know, doesn't like selling to hackers, they'll sell to nation states. And if one nation state's spying on another one, you could end up finding yourself uh, oh. uh, compromised pretty easily. So yeah, it's 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 all about you know so. Again, going back, you know, tying this back to the physical yeah. security, you know, you take those cables and you just like lay them around inside an office somewhere, hmm. uh, put them, you leave it in the conference room hmm. and everybody that walks into the conference room with the cell phone that's getting ready to die mm -hmm. <laughs> could end up uh, being compromised pretty quickly. So, so from the, from the standpoint of either I'm a client managing my physical security or I'm a physical security company looking to learn, it sounds like the takeaway is you know, physical security leaders need to at least know, right? Know that this Absolutely. is happening. So that if yeah. a guard at a desk sees someone walk in and say, hey, I'm just dropping off these cables for charging, right? <laughs> yeah. They're not yes. like, oh, great. That's that's so nice of yeah. you. What a good service. Um, and then I guess the second one is they should have, because the pen testers, um, and for our listeners, pen is penetration testing. Yes, um, the No, no, I'll, I'll, I, most people know this. At some point I didn't, so I like to point it out. Um, the, in this case, really the expectation is the physical security stops the person, right? Absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, just, just having enough, uh, situational awareness of, mm -hmm. you know, there's somebody in here that shouldn't be. And, and here's the, the interesting thing about this is it doesn't even necessarily have to be that guy walking in off the street to sit down inside your conference room. It can be that guy parked across the street, hopping oh, right. on your Wi-Fi. Uh, tell us, tell so, us more about that because this was really yeah. interesting to me when you you and I first chatted. Yeah, so so that's actually like when you think about the uh, the way that Wi-Fi networks work, and, mm -hmm. and people people assume because of technologies like WPA and everything, it's all it's all nicely locked down, but it's not nearly as secure as what some people would like to to believe that it is. Um, you know, there's there's definitely ways of kind of jumping in. So you have somebody with the with the right software, a laptop, and a and a good antenna pointing at your at your office, could easily jump on your network. And again, the, this ultimately comes back to the fact that once somebody is on your on your network, they're plugged into your network. Mm -hmm. They have a tendency of being trusted, and uh, and that's that shouldn't be the case at all. Uh, and organizations, you know, like again, one of the one of the bigger mistakes that you see uh, organizations making. Is they'll think to themselves like we're not that big of a deal. I mean, like you know, who would expend that much effort to get into mm -hmm. what we're doing? Mm -hmm. um, and you'd be amazed, and and people who end up showing up on the radar more frequently 
like you wouldn't think that you know you think like large banks and stuff like that would be prime targets and they are but they also know that they have really good security so mm -hmm. they have a tendency of going for lower hanging fruit people can often get just as much mileage out of compromising a real estate brokerage hmm. you tell about, us tell you know, us how this is so interesting yeah. to me so so in that in that respect you know, so first of all i mean they are a prime target you have high dollar transactions going through there you've got lots of very private data because you know again people have to share all of their financials to to often qualify for a for a loan or a mortgage so lots of valuable data there the people who typically work for a brokerage they're not really working for the brokerage they're kind of independent contractors that report in there so the the level of security that's on everybody is has a tendency of being very inconsistent so you know basically again you know, kind of pulling this back to uh back to the physical security mm -hmm. you know if all you have to do is know a little bit of information to to do what they call social engineering mm -hmm. to call back up and say hey i'm you know like once you find out that that you know bob smith is getting ready to buy a house mm -hmm. uh, then you can you know with that information you can go back and you can call up and you're like i need to speak to the loan officer i'm calling on behalf of bob smith uh we need to change wow. the routing number wow uh, the, wow <laughs> yeah. And so you'd be wow. like, it's, it's actually a really, it's a, um, you know, have, nobody likes to advertise the fact that they've been compromised, but you'd be amazed at how I've heard stories. I've been yeah. surprised at how many stories I've heard from, you know, not like on the news stories, but people that I know personally where, yeah. you know, there's some email and it looks like the right header and it's coming from the lawyers or it's coming from <laughs> someone. Um, yeah. That's crazy. And so, and so you're saying the, entree the entree or the entry point to that could be someone parking in a parking lot and finding yeah. some some little path to slither in and get some kernel of data so that they can call precisely and, wow. and again going back to the to the real estate uh example one of the one of the challenges that you end up having with that is the fact that you, you do have all these people um, you know, they're, they're kind of associated with the brokerage, but they're not. Mm, so, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's, it's really common for one of them to forget their password to the Wi-Fi. And mm -hmm. so if you know that you can figure out the, the name of the, of the realtor, just by driving down the road and looking for open house signs, and then you call them up and say, Hey, I forgot my password. Mm. Can you send it to me? <laughs> mm. uh, and, and, you know, so that, that kind of goes back to another common mistake that you end up seeing very frequently in in different organizations it, mm -hmm. it sort of tie it, it it's it's aggravated by the fact that uh, there's poor physical security but um there's a lot of what they call uh you know security theater out there mm -hmm. where you do things that actually seem to make sense that you know mm -hmm. yeah of course this would make you more secure mm -hmm. and like one of the things that drives me crazy are the are the organizations that will have the uh you know, have the policy of you have to change your password every every 30 days <laughs> And that is the worst advice I've ever heard anybody give. because what ends up happening, you know, well, first thing is if you have to change it that frequently and it has to be strong, you're going to write it on a post-it note and you're going to stick it to your monitor. Uh, and that's a best case scenario. Worst case scenario is people forget. And of course, yeah. the people who are doing the network there are getting five phone calls a day from people who've forgotten their password and they need their password reset. Yeah. So when it starts happening that in, that frequently, you stop checking to see who that person is. Is this really Bob yeah. in accounting? So you know, you call up and sort of like, yeah, could you reset my password really quickly? And they they just 
they fire that off, you know, it's the, the biggest, it's the easiest thing in the world. So, you know, doing things that, that seem to make sense from a standpoint of I'm improving my security, but really aren't is, is a really, a, it's a big epidemic out there. Uh, that's a really, good. that's a really good one to know. Are there other examples of security theater that you've seen? <laughs> um, that yeah, come to mind? Like, yeah. So, so you know, a lot of it has to go back and do with passwords. You know, like mm -hmm. it, it's, uh, you know, uh, you know, email, uh, email was never designed to be uh, secure. I mean, yeah. you think back to the earliest days of when it was invented, it was to connect a whole bunch of people who were probably sitting in the same room together. They, they, they didn't need, so the, the, uh, the problems with it were kind of baked in from the beginning. And if mm -hmm. you wanted to correct them, you'd basically have to throw things out and start from scratch. So people will, trust too much on some of the security elements around email that and they shouldn't mm -hmm. <laughs> like email if there's anything if there's anything uh sensitive at all it should not go across email you should figure out some other way of being able to do it and there are ways of of um of of you know there are different ways of being able to to take mm -hmm. advantage of you know, but yeah that that's that's another one you know really the the it, so much of the um so much of the problems in the world would be taken care of um you know with just a good password manager yeah, <laughs> as yeah. opposed to a lot of the a lot of the stuff a lot of the detection technologies that are out there you know they're all closing the barn doors after the after the horse gets out uh you know if, if you know i know i'm i'm not perfect i mean like i'm i live and breathe this stuff every mm -hmm, day mm -hmm. and yet every once in a while that email will come through and it will just look so good and i won't be thinking it's like oh and i've been saved by my password manager because mm -hmm. while i may not realize that i'm not really dealing with bank of america mm -hmm. um you know because that website looks identical to it totally. and I've gone to this fishing site my password manager knows that that's not the right site. <laughs> so oh, it's that's, not gonna... that's really interesting. So yeah. you've seen password managers catch stuff like that. Yeah, it, it, because I mean, like if you go in uh, to a site that, you know, that's trying to impersonate another site, you know, it's not going to be identical. And the password manager is going to offer up the 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 password you know, to the site. It's not going to know to. It's, it's mm -hmm. kind of a a, it wasn't really designed for that, but it's a real, you know, like, it saved my butt <laughs> on a couple of occasions. That's uh, amazing. Because, yeah. And, uh, you know, and you'll find that the the people who do this, you know, the mm -hmm. people who who send out these phishing emails, they fall into two different categories. You know, mm -hmm. like they're, they're the people who are really, really good and they'll they'll craft that website to look identical to something that you trust, you know, like your, your bank or whatever mm -hmm. it is, or Gmail. Um, you know, the, the, even the URL will will look right. You know, mm -hmm. they'll spell Google with two zeros instead <laughs> of two O's. You know, and it'll uh -huh. just be it'll it'll look perfect. And then you have the other extreme. Yeah. And that's where you get the like the Nigerian prince. Things. Yeah, yeah. And I discovered after dealing with this for a while that they do this completely deliberately. Oh, so you interesting. Know, Why? Because they want to eliminate anybody that has any critical thinking. Ah. <sighs> So if, if you fall for something, you know, you're gullible enough to fall for that initial email, uh -huh. you're not going to be asking the right questions going on there and they're not going to waste their time. If they get somebody who, you know, who might, you know, their, their detector might be sort of uh, go off after dealing with them for five minutes, you know, they don't want to waste their time on that. They want the people who are really, really gullible. So they'll, 
they will deliberately make their uh, their attack really transparent uh, mm -hmm. because the people who actually end up engaging with it, uh, you know, they, they probably already got them. That's <laughs> so. so funny. That's such interesting selection. I didn't even give it a thought. Um, so, so to close the loop and and to to take things back because I feel like there's some really interesting conclusions for physical security that I want to make sure we tease out. Um, yeah. It sounds like one of them is you know even if whoever is providing physical security is aware of these yeah. sorts of risks and attacks. And, you know, typically when security guards are looking at uh, parking lots, right, their their concerns are, you know, are employees there feeling in danger, right? Like is, is a woman about to be attacked, right? Or is, or is there, which is obviously also a risk in a different category yeah. of risk, or is there, um, you know, are, are there, uh, people who are unhoused that are sort of in a space where they shouldn't be. And for whatever reason, that's distressing to, you know, the customers or the visitors and that's sort of where they're focused. And so I could totally see a scenario where a guy in a suit with a laptop sitting in a car, unless yeah. he's there for a real, you know, if he's there for 12 hours, maybe it's on the radar, but how long does it take? It doesn't take 12 hours, right? It takes no. 30 minutes, yeah. 10 yeah, yeah. Uh, they could definitely be into a wireless network in within 30 minutes it's within uh, 30 it's minutes not, yeah uh not that so, tough and uh and and the uh, the it would let's put it this way it would take longer once you're in yeah just to find the stuff that you're looking for because you know, you've got this giant yeah. green field and you've got to unless you know what you're looking for in advance and to go and do the smash and grab um, but yeah, the, I mean, nothing beats and we're like, as, as great as we are with, um, with automation and, and, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, AI and everything for being able to, nothing beats the gut feel of that guy that that's sitting at the front desk and is kind of looking out there. Like, that car has been there for a while. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely, you know, having that is, um, uh, you know, nothing can really beat that yet. There's like, we're human beings by definition are really good at being able to identify patterns mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. ways that that even computers haven't been able to match yet totally uh, so so having that person be able to look through and sort of like that thing's out of place you know i'm mm -hmm. here every day mm -hmm. and then this car has never been there before and it's just it's acting really really odd uh, and then that, i guess the other interesting thing too is knowing who to escalate that to right if you just think yeah. oh is he waiting to rob someone you follow a different path yeah. Then if you're thinking, oh my gosh, maybe that's someone hacking into our network, because <laughs> yeah. then you would, you would want to go and like knock on the door of, of the CTO or whoever's there and be like, Hey, you know, just FYI, like, <laughs> yeah. does this, exactly. does this seem weird to you? Is there anything going on? Um, and kind of on, on that thread, um, when you and I were chatting, um, off offline earlier, you had this super interesting point around uh, the correlation of physical and cyber locations yeah. and how people have used those. Um, yeah. Maybe you can tell us a bit about that. So yeah, that that's um, that comes down to uh, one of the first statements I made here is that there's no no really good correlation between physical security and, and cybersecurity. They're different people, uh, and you know it would be it would uncover so much mm -hmm. if you knew that that the CFO is sitting in his office, but he's also logged in from someplace in China. <laughs> like, you know, knowing that there's that, that weird sort of discrepancy there, you know, like just being able to, uh, to correlate 
where the where you think people are versus where they seem to be logging in from mm -hmm. uh, would open up a lot of uh, you know basically open up a lot of uh, visibility into into potential threats. It's uh, you know that ends up becoming you're like you, you ultimately uh, you know, a a threat actor out there. I mean, if they if they do try to go into a building at all. It's mm -hmm. usually for a very specific targeted thing. They want to deliver something. They want to grab something. They don't want. To, they don't have the luxury to go in there and spend twelve hours. Yeah, uh, that that's definitely going to raise a a red flag. So then it comes down to like once they've actually gotten their way in, they're getting in with somebody's credentials and being able to correlate. You know, like this is where this person actually was, and this is where we're all the different places that we're seeing him log in for, and and that's a disconnect right there. That in itself uh, could help you know, help eliminate a lot. There's a an organization out there called Ponemon uh, that mm -hmm. does security research, and they, uh, if I'm 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 pulling back from memory here, but they said that the average organization that ends up getting compromised uh, is compromised for about four months before they they identify the thing. Yeah, so wow. you know, they could do if, so much damage in four months. So you think about you know, if you were able to correlate the physical presence of people and mm -hmm. where they're logging in from, mm -hmm. you you might be able to cut that four months down to two months or one yeah. month or, yeah. or even yeah. even less. I mean, like right there, that would give you the information that you would need that you know uh, that is there's complete lack of visibility into for the most part. That is crazy. And that, you know, and I think that ties really closely with something else you said to me about, you know, targeting the people who it's easiest to target and how it's not always yeah. who you think it is. So tell us more about that. Yeah, so I alluded to that a little bit already with the, uh, um, you know, with the, the idea of the realtors, you know, mm -hmm, the, mm -hmm. uh, not having consistent, but we're actually finding in a lot of circumstances, I mean, if you... you know, as much as you would love to be able to target the CEO, the CEO or the CTO or the CFO mm -hmm. or whatever, the easiest people to compromise are the board members because they're not actually employees, but they often have more information about the company than the average employee as well. So, you know, they'll have all these very strict rules of about actual employees that you've got to have this security software and you've got to do this and you got, and then there's the board member and you don't want to make it inconvenient for him. So, He's the guy that you end up sending uh, the unencrypted uh, email with the PDF file with all the company information. So mm. you compromise the, the 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 board member. He's often got a a, a lower degree of the physical, you know, like a security footprint. You know, he's not as secure, mm -hmm. and he has access to more information. So mm. you know, it's like a win win for them. You know, you want to go where the security isn't, and mm -hmm. uh, if. Uh, that's why you're like you don't see people trying to go after banks as frequently because they do have things locked down. But if you can go after these other organizations that have you know, better data or better information or more money or whatever that aren't locked down like that, that ends up becoming the the really good opportunity. Yeah. That's crazy, and I would imagine too that board members are probably more resistant, right? Like you could you could require that an employee jumps through a certain number of hoops and at the end of the day, the employee is getting paid. I, I presume, you know, the board member is also getting paid, but there's, there's the sense yeah. of like, you know, well, I'm, Hey, I'm running this thing. I shouldn't have to, you know, do whatever. 
Well, and, and the thing with the board member is he's yeah. probably not just a board member of that one company. He's a yeah. board member of eight companies. Yeah. And there are eight different companies with eight different sets of policies about you know, what security is. And is he going to deploy all of them? Is he going to keep eight separate laptops, one for each? Like, no, he he uh, he's too busy for that. So mm -hmm. uh, he's going to kind of dictate. You're like, no, I just need this. Can you just send it to me? Okay. It, it's, and that ends up happening. So uh you know, and again, from a standpoint of of having a big target on your back, you're like, not only does he have a lot of information about that company that you're trying to target, but you might also happen to pick up something about the seven other companies that he's on the board of, uh, or maybe even you know, like often those board members are are uh, are established by the venture capital firm, and mm -hmm, you know, like mm -hmm. if you're getting that, you know, like, and you have an entree into all the venture all the VCs information. Talk about high value, dollar value transactions. Those totally, are, uh... <laughs> and harder to push back, to push yeah. back on that, right? In terms of yeah. restricting access. Um, so you know, I've saved this for for last because it's such a big sort of opportunity for conversation. But but we can't wrap up without chatting AI, AI <laughs> and security for a bit. Sort of like AI, cybersecurity, physical security. Um, I'll I'll open with that. So yeah, I mean it's um, you know like you know, even in my my current job uh, like part of yeah you know, part of what I'm trying to do here is uh, is analytics, which basically mm -hmm. means AI looking for you know trying to sift through and and find the stuff that's that's out there. It's it's it ends up being an interesting problem because while you know if, if, again I, I talked about earlier on how human beings are very good at being able to identify patterns and you know like. Um, to a degree, computers are certainly as well. Uh, mm -hmm. The problem is, is that you know, with with security, you have the problem of the false positive. You know, like you know, you want to you want to make sure that when we're telling somebody that this person has been compromised or that here's a problem, you know, we're telling this to people who are very busy, and and you don't want to send them down a, a rat hole. Uh, and what that ends up meaning is that we have to strike a balance with uh, with AI. Uh, and that balance is if you aren't throwing any false positives whatsoever, you're probably not being aggressive enough oh, <laughs> in what you're trying to detect. Okay. So, so a, a, a degree of false positives is almost, um, you know, par for the course. You almost have to have to do that. Otherwise you're letting, letting stuff in mm -hmm. on the flip side. If you're, if it's all false positives, you, uh, you end up being, becoming ignored. So they, they won't trust you if you. If you have too many, so my job is actually to figure out the the ratio. You know, like I'm gonna do you know one false positive for every twenty actual detections that I make, mm -hmm. but that ends up informing what you're actually gonna be looking for, because the thing that has to you know, that you're looking for has to exist in numbers enough that's you know, that's actually warrants looking for them. And then the example I give is. Think of, think of imagine that you come up with a Bigfoot detector, and uh, and that Bigfoot detector is is so good it only throws one false positive for every you know twenty million samples. It's still going to be one hundred percent false positive if Bigfoot doesn't exist. So, <laughs> so we've been asked sometimes to to look for very esoteric um, types of attacks. Mm. We've had to say no, we we really can't do that because. There's no way that we can get that ratio. Hack mm. is so rare that uh, that nobody's going to end up seeing it. It's all it's, it's just going to be very frustrating because you're only going to be giving them 
false positives uh, all the time. Having said that, we're rapidly getting to the point now where the threat actors are sophisticated enough mm-hmm. that they can avoid most of the easier ways of detecting things. So that's this really is, interesting. Yeah. So um, you know, there's a it's it's kind of a long you know, a long um, you know, in in security we've been mm-hmm. talking about this for a while, but you don't want what they call signatures, which is you know like just being able to uh, you know like here's a a URL this is mm-hmm. bad. Well, that's the easiest thing to just kind of switch around uh, very frequently so that URL isn't always the one that's being used. Um, mm. There's uh, there's something that we have. Um, called DGA, which is a domain generated algorithm, mm-hmm. uh, which means that if you've got if you've got a piece of malware, that malware has to go in and check in with somebody for instructions. Mm-hmm. You know, like what do I do? Here's the information I found. And if it's just going back and talking to one host that's out there, once you figure out who that host is, you, know, you found the you know, the malware that's going to this host, I block that and you know, and everything is said and done. So what the threat actors have done is they actually create uh, domains using an algorithm. So if it's Thursday, it's going to be this. If it's you know, next you know, next September, it's going to be this. And it changes daily. So wow. you know, that's really sophisticated. So you know, with these things, like you end up, you know, uh, the days of being able to just say, this mm-hmm. is a bad host name. Mm-hmm. Um, those are, are kind of rapidly coming to an end. And you have to do some sort of ML to be able to catch them because it's about looking for those patterns. It's hmm. looking for the anomalies. Uh, and whenever, again, the problem is, is whenever you're looking for something that's based around behavior, you're going to make some mistakes. Yep. So that ends up becoming the the challenge that we end up having going into the future. That makes a lot of sense. Um, do you think that as we integrate AI more tightly, that it actually acts as like, a glue to integrate physical security with cybersecurity or not really? So, so no, absolutely. So, uh, and then the, the thing that's making all the news right now is, mm-hmm. is chat GPT. Of and, course. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll, I use it at I'll, least 10 times a day. Yes. <laughs> it's so addictive. And, uh, and again, sort of going back in, you know, like, obviously I think probably everybody that's listening to it is, has at least been following it a little bit, but, uh, I mean, it's it's a it's an AI that's based on language uh, models, and uh, and that ends up becoming one of its uh, one of its superpowers. So think about the attacks that we we're talking about earlier on, where you're looking for, um, you know, you're you know, basically you're you're looking for easy entrees in for you know, like uh, I'm trying to figure out this person's password, uh, and if you can go to ChatGPT and say. I want you to write an email that says this, and I want you to use the language to make it sound like this person over there. You know, it's it's a, you know, it ends up becoming a a uh, a tool for evil as much as it can be a, a tool for good. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like you know, I, I've I've played around with ChatGPT and and had it write press releases in the uh, in the mode of a pirate and things like that. It's like you can have it uh, imitate the the. Uh, the language peculiarities of individuals so that you can't, you know, like often you can actually tell almost like by a fingerprint, Mm -hmm. um, you know, whether or not uh, two pieces of of information were written by the same person because they use the same terminology, Mm -hmm. they use the same, Mm -hmm. they have the same things. Uh, But if you can have a, uh, an AI uh, imitate that, Mm -hmm. it becomes very, very easy to socially engineer 
um, a, a, you know, something, you know, basically an interaction to be able to help, you know, uh, compromise an organization. So yeah, it's, it's uh, you, all you have to do is start off with a little bit of information. And that's where, again, you go back to drive it back to the physical security. Uh, you know, somebody's sort of hanging around the net, you know, hanging around the office and figuring out, you know, who was that person or where all you need is a, a little bit of information. Then you can leverage that to get more and more information until ultimately you have enough to actually get into the, into the organization. So. That is both a exciting and a scary future to look forward to. Yeah, um, that's what's like, like there's physical security, there's cybersecurity. Yeah. I consider this to be job security. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> they will always, always need help figuring these yes. things out. Um, and I'm sure as it evolves, there are, there's sort of more and more cycles and <laughs> threat reaction. Um, that is so interesting. I have just loved our conversation today. Um, thank you so much, Druce. I've really appreciated having you on um, to our audience. Hopefully you learned a lot today. I know I certainly did. Um, feel free to tell someone about the podcast um, and share it. This has been another exciting episode of Security Download. Thank you so much for joining us. And that wraps up another episode of Security Download. Thank you for joining. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at securitydownload.live and be sure to follow on your favorite podcast app. 